The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Here's Brandon. Welcome back to the show for a segment I'm calling Old Space Show. Now, what is that? Those of you who may remember, one of my first podcast endeavors was following a television show called Sleepy Hollow on the Icapod Cranecast. Well, I do like the idea of podcasting along with a television show, but kind of more on my own time. Current shows are always going to have a presence and audience in modern review mediums like podcasting, being a YouTuber, reviewing Twitch, who knows. But some old shows aren't given such attention. Old Space Show will take a look back at those genre shows less fortunate. Uh, Now, while the title suggests it, it won't be limited to an old show in space. Uh, Many science fiction type shows like time travel shows, horror shows, and other short-term oddities are fair game for this one. However, to start, I am going to live up to the moniker. Uh, The first run of Old Space Show will be taking a look back, episode by episode, of the first season of 1975's Space 1999 from the British network ITV. Nobody goes to space alone, as I am proud to take this moon scoot adventure with one of podcasting's greatest genre television analysts, Mr. Jim Dietz, of the Nothing's On podcast and HHWLOD podcast network. Welcome, Jim, to the Old Space Show. I can see my $5 for that intro was well spent. It was great, yes. Thank you. So, let's talk here. So, familiarity with Space 1999 before we blast off, which... Your experience, you're, you've got a, you've got a couple years on me, and you would have been probably around when this was trying to make a stamp in America. I remember it as a little kid, but I never really watched it um, at that mm-hmm. point. When it came out, I was like, I don't know, six or seven. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was vaguely aware of it in reruns, but I never really got into it. So I, I, this is yeah. kind of a new thing for me. I, you know, I kind of knew what it was. I had a friend who was really into Jerry and Sylvia uh, Anderson and um, Super Marion Nation and all that. So I kind of knew the pedigree of the show, but I never really watched it episode for episode. So this is kind of my first watch. It seemed like it was something I had heard of that I should have been interested in or, or whatnot. And there's some, like the ship, the Eagle ship. I remember seeing like, maybe it used places like boxes of those or, but I never checked it out, but then Shout Factory, who I cover their Blu-ray releases for com, offered me the set, and I was like, you know what, this would be my time. So I kind of kind of dabbled in it. There was not enough time to watch the complete series to get the review up by the deadline. I'm a, I'm a deadline guy with those. There's some interesting aspect. It only ran for two seasons, but they're a yin and yang of seasons. Well, yeah. That... We'll get there. Right. I was kind of fascinated by it. I didn't realize till then that it was a British show. It wasn't, it was hopeful, a hopeful sale to American audiences. When I saw it as a kid, it was in syndication and probably had reruns at that point in the later 70s because this came out, what, 74, 75, right then? 
Yeah, yeah, it came out in 1975, and this basically looks like, well, if no one's going to make Star Trek, we're going to make Star Trek. I was going to say, there are a lot of parallels between this and Star Trek, and even with Fred Freiberg taking over in the last season as producer. Right, yeah. The creators, uh, Jerry and Sylvia Anderson, started doing Thunderbirds, Super Marionation in, in Britain, mm-hmm. and very popular children's Captain shows. Captain Scarlet, too, right? Captain Scarlet and the Mysterians, Fireball. A lot of these great shows with puppetry. And then in the early 70s, they moved into uh, live action. They did a show called UFO, which had mixed results. And they made a movie, and they made a show with Robert Vaughn called The Protectors, which was more of a, mm-hmm. like a spy drama show. And then Space 1999 came along, and it was kind of their big deal. But Sylvia and Jerry were having marital troubles at that point. And they did like about most of the first season together, but then got divorced. And then when Sylvia left, Fred Freiberger took over as a producer. Jerry had kind of lost uh, his interest in it. And much like in Star Trek with Fred Freiberger at the home, it got weirder and weirder. Yeah. The show feels like it was supposed to be a big deal With when I watched the first yeah. episode and just look at the money spent on it. And it was like, hey, this, hey, Trekkies, we, we're, we got this for you or something like that. And, and it just feels like... It feels a sense of importance, and it doesn't. It, I'll, I'll tell you the show that I, I kind of feel like it resembles from later on. It felt like, for me, growing up around like Sequest oh, DSB, yeah. like because you have Roy Scheider doing big television show. It's going to be Star Trek underwater, and it's this big thing. And it comes out, and it's not bad, but it's not like this didn't. We just had a discussion the other day on, on Nothing's On about how everything nowadays has to either be the greatest thing that ever happened or totally garbage. You know, nothing's just decent. You know, we're talking about the right. new magic power, mm-hmm. I think. And uh, it wasn't incredibly great and it wasn't horrible, horrible. It was decent, you know. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's, it's okay. that's the way I feel about this. And uh, what I love about this show, I have a real affection for that 70s future. Yeah, yeah. I believe they're calling it disco sci-fi now. Yeah, sort of. the, um, but in this, you see like overhead projectors and a lot of mm-hmm. CRT screens built into walls. And right. um, they're all wearing these like polyester jumpsuits and their ranks in this. In other shows, you know, they, they have different colored shirts in Star Trek. Here they have different colored sleeves, depending on their rank. Yes. Uh, that was kind of a detail I didn't pick up until the second or third episode, but... And they have a zipper on the sleeve. I'm like, is that comfortable <laughs> to be walking around with a big the production zipper? Be very on the much sleeve. of the Star Trek the motion picture. Very it does, it, and it like the um, the uniforms kind of look like the Star Trek, like the neck, the first step. Like, okay, we like those designs, but let's do right. a little this, this, and this. Yeah, the production on this. There are movies with production not this good yeah. during this time. I mean, the, the model works pretty impre- for TV. The model works pretty impressive. The sets are really good, but it's, I mean, the the British, BBC, ITV, their yeah. sets are just dynamite. So, and this is pre-Star Wars, too. Um, yeah. Pre-Star Wars sci-fi oh, is yeah, fascinating. Oh, yeah, you got Zardoz, <laughs> you got, uh, yeah. Between Planet of the Apes and 2001 and then to Star Wars, it's just, what what's in the middle is just fascinating, what comes through. Because, yeah, 2001 is definitely an influence on this show in a lot of respects. They got two American stars to be in the British show to sell, and they have Martin Landau, Barbara Bain. Uh, she was an Emmy winner for Mission Impossible, and Martin Landau was on Mission. Like they had a just a 
carousel of people through that 70s oh, yeah. that show aside from a couple and they wouldn't even be in all the episodes either because like Leonard Nimoy shows up on that show I think Lando was there from yeah. the beginning Greg Lupus and Greg, or Greg Morris and Peter Lupus for like the mainstays they were there for the whole run pretty much and then uh, um, mm-hmm. oh, oh, the guy who oh, he played Adam Schiff on New York, Law and Order before Peter, well, they had Peter Peter Graves who joined on season yeah. two and was the guy before him was Adam Schiff. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. The, anyway, we digress. Yeah, I mean, Landau worked with Hitchcock, dude. You know, North by Northwest. So you got to give him that. Yeah. And she, I mean, she's an Emmy winner. They're clearly visible. I mean, they're known TV stars. It's amazing to me, though. I just want to say before we get into the media episode, like they're married in real life, right? At this point. Right. They they were married till the 90s. Yeah. And they had Juliet Landau, their daughter, who would start with him in Ed Wood, and she'd go on to fame as Drusilla on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I was going to say, it's amazing how little chemistry they have together on screen in this episode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's pretty flat. And I mean, there's... Uh, in the t- helping I've had, she's pretty... I mean, the show wants a serious tone to it quite a bit. But yeah, they, they're they serious. Yes. They're both starring. Starring. Right. Martin Lando starring Barbara Bain. This show, I, the BBC was actually scared of this show coming from ITV. Like this was like a a big deal. Like now we know the aftermath of it. So we're like, ha but this, I mean, so Doctor Who was having a resurgence popularity with Tom Baker. Like his first season was during this year and they held off on the final serial of that season of airing it, they cut the season short airing so that they would have it to air against Space 1999. And they knew their production wouldn't, for the next season with Tom Baker, wouldn't go until later. So they needed to have a four episode serial to take up those weeks to have something there. Because they did, they thought if they get it on Space 1999, that's going to be their sci fi show for the week. They're not going to come back to Doctor Who, which, ha ha didn't matter. So Doctor Who airs the week before. They weren't even head-to-head. But he it airs the week before and goes against Space 1999. But that's what they were... People forget. I mean, I'm going to sound like old man Jim here. But people forget when there were maybe one or two sci-fi shows mm-hmm. on TV a week. You know, yeah. That was it. You know? Yeah. I remember the entire... I remember a long time the entire output of superhero television content was the Bill Bixby Hulk show. Yeah. I get that. You know, they think, oh, Doctor Who, that's too much sci-fi if they want two you know, shows. I get, get what they're yeah. saying there at that point. Yeah. It ended up not mattering, um, which is crazy. Yeah. Like, oh, and we're going to hack off our previous season. But I, I'm also fascinated with the way the BBC and ITV shows, they work. They, they treat television production as nine-to-five jobs, pretty much, no matter what they are. They have their breaks. They're done by they're done by nine o'clock. They're done. You know they have tea time. The writers just shuffle ev- everywhere. It's a weird, interesting business because they're like, oh, you know, what do you? The actor is seen with television there as almost like, oh, well, I'm I'm a plumber. I'm a teacher. I'm an actor, and it's just casual. That's just the office, the BBC studios. Just the office we go to. It's not as posh. I mean, they are they do get statues of celebrity, but it's just treated like a nine to five job, but just, just fascinating to me with everything. But I mean, there's shows of theirs that like barely got the cut they want because they shot the last line and the lights went off in the studio <laughs> and got to go home. <laughs> Time to go. How crazy it is. But this one, man. So I guess let's, we can 
dig into this first episode, Breakaway. This episode. Brennan and Jim discuss the first episode. This episode. Get background on the series. This episode. Let's 2001 influence. This episode. Star Trek 2. This episode. Moon Blast out of orbit. This episode. Crew floating around space lost. Written by George Bullock, who other credits include an episode of Alfred Hitchcock Hour, I Spy, The Mod Squad, and after this, Hunter, Ooh. the um, television show that ran for like you wouldn't believe how many seasons on NBC. I know. It's frightening. <laughs> like, it takes place on the dark side of the moon in September 9th of 1999. <laughs> and, and video game fans will know, 9999, the launch of the Dreamcast. Yep, that's when it happened. So, it all happened. On Earth, we were all playing Dreamcast games while this was going on. That's what so. happened. Uh- <laughs> it was on the dark side of the moon, and the episode is called Breakaway, so Ooh. what's going to happen? Yeah. There's a there's a virus going on on the moon. There's a colony station on the moon. There's these ships called Eagles that fly around. They don't seem like long range vehicles to me. Are they? The who knows? They're as long as the plot. Long range is the plot needs them to be. I guess. Yeah. There's a scene later where he flies from like where the space station is from deep space back to this moon while it's hauling ass away from the Earth. Spoiler alert. Right. Right. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, that's deep space. So. But lo and behold, they're storing all of our nuclear waste on the moon. Yeah. And they show us uh, the opening scene is a guy pretty much taking a giant nuclear dipstick and dipping it into the moon, yes. <laughs> pulling it out, saying, yep, we're about a quart low, and putting it yeah. back in. <laughs> While the other guy turns knobs on an oscilloscope on a little golf cart or whatever, and they walk around as if they're weightless. It's pretty great. <laughs> It's just really funny, like they have out there the nuclear, you know, the the radiation is bothering him, you know, and uh, he goes berserk for no reason, and just like tears ass all around this uh, nuclear facility and almost causes an explosion. It's yeah. pretty hilarious because that's how radiation works. Right. There's a there's a whole nuclear rage and there's magnetism going on. I do want to say though that um, the opening scene with where you should you, you first see Martin Landau. And they're like bringing him lunch or whatever while mm-hmm. he's riding it. That's very much rem- reminiscent of that 2001 scene. Yeah. Okay, yeah. With Floyd, you know, in the ship. Yep. It's that's exactly what I thought too. Where they were going for. And that's where we meet evil Beardo commissioner guy. Right. What who was wants his to name? go to Project, who wants Project Meta to happen no matter what. He lies. He gives false information to Koenig, which on paper looks like Koenig, but Koenig, the name of. Martin right. Landau's character. Right. Commander Koenig. They're getting close. Like There's a planet approaching Earth that they think they can cultivate or something, or they want to just check it out. They want to land on it. That's how planets work. They just wander around space until you find them. Every thousands of years, uh, the planet blah, blah, blah will f- fly, right. fly through here. Uh, <laughs> planet meta is where people make so many references to other things. <laughs> That's all it is. It's just one big reference on top of a reference. It's like, you know, it's like Dennis Miller and the MST3K bots dueling to the death for pop culture reference supremacy. It's so meta. 
It goes by making Star Trek references. There are a lot of like stylistic Star Trek things here too. Like the thing where you run from side to side when the ship is being shaken. There was a lot mm-hmm. of that. Oh, mm-hmm. and then when things, when people get attacked or jumped and they fly across the room. Um, yeah, yeah. There's that, that's the only kind of like camp they embrace so far. Some of, uh, some of Landau's uh, monologues are almost Shatnerian in scope. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's it's obviously they're like I, the picture is probably like Star Trek with a 2001 slant, right. like hard harder science, less creature monster things. Basically, they think it's a virus, but then Lando finds it's a radiation, and uh, like evil bearded guy shows up. I, I got to talk about the scene where the guy pulls out his own eye. Enig like is like, dude. I'm the commander here. I'm going to go check this out myself. So he hops into Eagle One, right, with a pilot, and they're, yeah. like, hanging out, and they're, like, checking everything out. Everything's cool. There's no radiation. Him and Vic. Victor's, like, his right-hand man. And this, the trilogy in, in Star Trek is, you know, Kirk, McCoy, and Bones. Here it's Koenig and Victor mm-hmm. and Helena, right? Barbara Wayne and Gary Morris. Right, yeah, we're Helena and, Russell, uh, yeah. And Landau. So they're all flying around like, nope, everything's cool. Everything's fine. And him and Barry Morris are having this conversation. And they don't even notice that their pilot is sitting there like twitching. And, like his hand is coming up to his face. <laughs> like he's trying to claw his own eyeball out. And they're like, oh, so, uh, right. yeah, what are you going to have for lunch today? Oh, I don't know. I thought the tuna looked good. You know, it's like, look, how did you keep your eyes on the road? <laughs> yeah, they like, they, they definitely want to show off their anti gravity effects too. You just keep going out yeah. in random space. But yeah, so Lando finds out and he gets pissed and they have a you know battle of wits and stuff. And basically the radiation becomes too much and the moon gets out blown yeah. out of orbit. It's the big thing with the episode. Right. And, it, and it moves too. I mean, it's scooting. One other like Shatnerian thing, they get pinned to the floor by the G-force of the moon moving so fast. They're like, yes. move, do communicator <laughs> it was hilarious loved it <laughs> it was good there's like a a news report that they can watch until it fades out of you know reception right. in space so they're all lost forever so this one wants to be star trek but looks like it has set up the plot of voyager a bit for oh. <laughs> for its i mean base. you know the, this, the whole idea of the uh the the virus or whatever passing from person to person uh, first of all Mm-hmm. They're like they knock over the, the pilot after he claws his own eye out, attacks Vic and Koenig, and like knocks over all the stereo equipment they had stacked there. And on the overhead projector, they knocked yeah. it all over. There's cells all over the floor. I also noticed in this in mm-hmm. this all the printouts look like they're on Rite Aid receipts. Like he's like, here, here's the printout. And he hands <laughs> him like a receipt from Rite Aid and he's like, Hmm, yeah, okay, it checks out. Mm, yeah. That's science. Yep, for science. Sure. yep. But like yeah, he knocks over and then um Cody gets to, you get to see the uh, him use the stun gun, and their guns look like the sprinkler from a hose, kind of. They they don't look like a regular gun. It almost looks like just the grip from a sword, but with the little nozzle on top. Yeah, but it's the yeah. same, the exact same special effect as the phaser in Star Trek too. Even turned green and like got zapped. Oh, and the guy's name is Eric Sparkman. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. There's there's a well known surname, Sparkman. Yes. And I noticed also every time the computer <laughs> in the show said something, it was printed out on the screen as well. Why? Yeah. 
for the deaf people. Or for hearing impaired. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. And it's funny. And Candy does this thing like over and over in this, like Kirk does, where the last thing you would do as a captain of like this giant ship would send the captain of the ship into danger, right? But like Koenig, yeah, like every episode he's like, no, I'm going to do it myself. Ah, and like the first one, he almost gets killed by the pilot. The second one, he almost like crashes into that one radioactive area and it's now all covered with lightning for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> and then he crashes that. And then Barbara Bing gets mad at him for being a dumbass and he just tries to play it off like he's being charming. Like, oh, I didn't know you cared. I'm like, ah. They have a weird thing that's like there, but it's not. It's not in the writing, but it's between the actors, like yeah. because they're married. But like, it feels like she's cold to him, where they're supposed to have history, but there is none that I'm at yet so far. But yeah, like there was backstory that we missed. Yeah, like I, was there something between them? But in a later episode, her deceased husband shows up. Oh. Her, there's that, but it's a kind of a weird. Like we know they're married. We know like. They're the two leads of a show, but it's not. I was gonna say it's not. It's not. It's not Picard and Crusher at all. <laughs> it's not moonlighting at all on the moon. And it's not moonlighting. It's not uh No. But, um, I also love later when they had they go back out yeah, to the but... nuclear thing. They don't want anybody to endanger themselves, so they do it by remote control. And they're controlling this giant spaceship from like a tiny remote control yes. plane control, <laughs> like these tiny little joysticks. What did you borrow your son's remote control plane? I mean, what are you doing? It's like the, it was, and it was set up like the, um, uh, oh, yeah. the the crane game in a carnival. Like the, <laughs> the space spaceship was hanging over, and the the, the arm dangled down, grabbed the canister, pulled it up. Oh man, mm-hmm. so funny! Oh, we didn't talk about the the intro and the outro much, where it's like um, this um, super um, serious intro where you know you have martin lando like stoically staring and then as his credits fade off he turns over to his side and there's barbara bain on a different screen staring and then turning to face the camera with her name coming up and then we see that ship crash and then we get in this watchka fest like watch 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 right and and it says this episode, and it's like this like visual salad of all these different scenes flying out your explosion, guy being thrown yeah. from a plane, you know. It's like stuff from the actual episode. And then with this one, it ends up stuff from the original, because like every episode will have this, but they'll have the new episode, and then they'll show towards the end the stuff from the pilot. So in case you're new to the show, you can see how stuff happened to get there. But that's the thing that went away where it used to be like tonight on Simon and Simon and you'd get like a trailer before you watch this 40 minute show and they don't do that anymore they're like yeah just we're on here it used to be used to be like tonight on Cagney and Lacey and then next week on Cagney and Lacey you don't get shows that explain explain their premise in the theme song anymore either right no you don't get that either the show is very serious as you said it's taking itself yeah. very seriously like the one quip that Lando has, like I was saying before, is when he comes back from this mission, and he's like, "Oh, I didn't really care," you know. Like after she's like, "You endangered your life for no reason, you big jerk," and it's like, oh, "I didn't know you cared." And he's trying to come off as suave, but he just kind of comes off constipated a little bit. Right. <laughs> yes. But my favorite, I love Evil Beardo guy because every time he shows up, if I can use the S word, shit goes down. 
Like <laughs> he's on the he's on the plane, and he will be our guys on the on the television, and immediately the guy freaks out on the radiation site. Then Evil Beardo shows up on the moon base, right? And, got and they're fast. extracting the radiation. Right. And and Beardo's, Beardo's uh, line is, well, it seems like everything's going fine under control here. I guess we can get on with our project meta. And then immediately, explosions. <laughs> <laughs> the harbinger of doom. But yeah, like the nuclear explosions turn the, the moon into a big jet engine and it blows off into space. And I wanted to ask you something. First of all, the one guy looks a lot like a young Tom Atkins. Yeah. I just refer to him as British young Tom Atkins. Um, Morrow, I think is his name. Is that who you're referring yeah, to? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it, <laughs> I love the part where I'm sorry, I keep going off, but the, the part where the moon takes off and this expo- you know, the explosion happens, and they're hurtling off in space. They're all stuck to the floor, floor from the G force of the blast, right? Mm-hmm. And Alan Carter, you know, the, the suave young pilot dude, who's like the ostensible hero, yeah. I guess. He's like, he's like, do you read me? Alpha one, do you read me? And he's like screaming at them for five <laughs> minutes. It's like, yeah. dude, nobody's answering. Leave a message. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to voicemail. Something. <laughs> Start driving back to Earth now. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, we we leave them uh heading off into space. And the computer had a contingency plan for this happening. <laughs> There's this whole sequence. after the uh, I'm sorry, after the moon blasts off, they consult their computer, and the computer yeah. has an, a, a, a contingency plan called Exodus, where they've oh, already, yeah, yeah. already contemplated this happening, and it's like he goes through all this thing, blah, 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 and then finally it says. Human decision required. <laughs> yes, like, I give up. My give up. I give up. <laughs> and I'm like, this is on you guys. And I was wondering, like, <laughs> it was really confusing. What was the decision? Consult manual. Like they said, the like he gives us this inspirational speech about why they're not going to try to go back to Earth. What? <laughs> that computer's like. Human decision. Uh, please say a human. Is that the emotional decision? Is that what the human decision is? I guess. I, I need an adult. That's what the, that's, yeah. that's the computer Imagine if Windows, like, error, human decision required. I'm like. <laughs> human decision required. <laughs> human gonna, decision here. I mean, we need to bring that into the pop culture lexicon just to be like, human decision required. <laughs> That'd be a great meme. Oh, my gosh. Yes, they just just put it everywhere. No one's gonna know. You know, there's so many memes where people don't understand where oh, they yeah, come totally. from, which is even funnier when you know when they come where they come from. That oh, yeah, so screenshot that, that screen human decision required. Human but, decision. But Kana gives a speech like you know, oh, it is much braver for us not to try to go back to Earth and go out into space where we can't help where we're going anyway. Yay! <laughs> yeah, so we can discover and report back right. to nothing our fine discoveries. Like I was thinking while he was doing that, like of the speech that Edward James almost gives at the end of the uh, Battlestar Galactica miniseries. You know, he had the very dramatic, like mm-hmm. rabble rousing, like very inspirational speech. You know, so say all of us. You know, so say we all. Right. And yeah. I'm thinking, and I'm watching Kenny's speech. I'm like. What is he even trying to tell people that 
that all right, the moon is blasted <laughs> off away from the earth. So we're going to stay on the moon and not go out into space and die. Right. I, I, I struggle with it. I'm like, what is he? But I, I was, I was stuck on that. I'm sorry. But yeah, that what a brave decision for them to just stay where they are and ride it out. That was not the human decision I but wanted. At the very end, when he's like, they're oh. they're trying to tune in the TV station, like earthquakes caused by the moon and tidal waves, blah blah blah, the moon's orbit being blocked out of orbit, and you know all of them, the moon base alpha are presumed dead, burr, 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 and then it fades out, and then it's like when Grandpa had the UHF back in the old days with the TV or the cable box. He's like, wait, wait, let me tune that in. He's like tuning in. And it looks like yeah. vector graphics <laughs> version of the Ring. You know the horror movie The Ring, oh. and he's like, too, he's like, yep, there, that's yes. the planet, that's Meta, that ring there thing, that's, that's meta. meta, that's gotta be it. <laughs> Go that way. I'm like, I'm like, you're riding a planet. How are you gonna steer that shit? <laughs> Sorry, you put a giant rudder on the moon. I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> you're adrift in space. Just hope we don't crash into another planet. It all happened on Friday the thirteenth, nineteen ninety-nine. It did. It did. I just want to make sure that that, that was it. Was it Friday? The th- it, was it was September thirteenth. Thirteenth. Yeah. Okay, because it started on September 9th, so it went a couple days over across right, right. the course well, of the episode. They did a lot for time for Beardo to get there. So that's true. That's true. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay, that five days of the moon. All right. So our next episode will be a matter of, or just matter of life and death when we return, and we'll be seeing the antics of the crew as they find a planet that might be their new habitat, but will it or won't it be a short series if it is? Oh, I can't wait. So stay tuned. Thank you, Jim, for joining me. Uh, you want to let people know where they can find more of your beautiful pipes at work? Every week uh, over on the Taylor Network of Podcast.com, uh, myself, comedian Donnie Salvo, and Mr. Daryl Taylor cover the week in pop culture and entertainment TV and movie news in our own knuckleheaded and funny way. That's Nothing's On. You can find that at uh, taylornetworkerpodcast.com. Also, Walking Dead TV Podcast is back in business with the uh, inauguration of the new episode and the new season in a few weeks. You can find that at hhwlod.com. Excellent. And you can always find me at brandonpetershow.com. I am uh, at brandon4kuhd on Twitter and Instagram where you get, I don't know, cool stuff. And, uh, of course, um, written stuff at whiteoflue.com. We'll be, I'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Jim and I will be back when Old Space Show comes back. And uh, we'll see you then. From Old Space. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at thebrandonpetersshow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at thebrandonpetersshow.com. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.